Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Every time we want to be successful or we want to be better, just like the name of your podcast, it's as if we want to give ourselves a sense of direction with our life, you know, with, with the mission, with the purpose. And after that, we want to do like a massive contribution. But it's as if we forget that before direction and contribution, we have a huge work to do of liberation. Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Bonjour, mes amis, and welcome to the Better Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. Now, why am I speaking French? Well, I just finished up a conversation with none other than Martin Latulipe. He is a motivational and mindset speaker in primarily in the French uh, world, very well known in France and Belgium and in Quebec. He is an entrepreneur. And of course, in my preparation for this interview, I was consuming all of his content online, which is mainly in French. So I have been getting to practice my French. So I am in a little bit of a French mood. I have a little bit of a French accent, you might say. And uh, of course, that's my pathetic, my pathetic attempt at being French. But anyway, we had a great conversation around mindset today. So we went really deep down the rabbit hole of what it means to transition in life and how that can be, it can has, has the potential to be devastating and what we need to do, what frameworks we need to apply and understand about ourselves in order to morph and have this metamorphosis into this other person. So we talked about his own personal story. He was very high up in term. He was the captain uh, on his hockey team. He was the flag bearer and he was in Poland. I think it was university championships. And at on one of the skates, he had uh, someone slice his neck open with one of their skates and a couple millimeters away from his carotid. So uh, could have been fatal. And from there, you know, from being at the top of his game, from being, you know, a star player saying, okay, my dream, I want to pursue my dream of being a coach. I want to be a motivational speaker. And this is, this is the time. So he talked about the struggle in terms of 
going from the top of his game. Everybody knows him. He's you know in shape. He's good looking. He's fit. He's a jock. Everyone knows him to being an unknown in the speaker world and what that does to what that can do to your anxiety, to your belief around yourself, the identity that you've tethered yourself to. So we deconstructed some of those things. We talked about uh, being aware of the stories that are implanted in us from, you know, from our upbringing, the beliefs and the identity that we have, and what to do with emotions when we feel like emotions are overtaking us. So he had a really great framework around emotions are just... They have the potential, you know, when we are maladapting to emotions, we tend to avoid them, we deny them, we exaggerate them, and it's sort of, you know, drama mama. And talked about some of the frameworks in terms of how he supersedes that. What are the pattern interrupts for him when he was feeling like that during his transition, but even now, because he's, you know, he's been called the Tony Robbins of the French uh, community. So even now, he'll, he was describing, you know, times that right before he went on stage, you know, the doubts, some of the self-doubts when they start to creep in, what are some of the frameworks that he does in order to preserve and to get back to who he really is? So a really great conversation. We talked about the concept of failure and how we are just in general as a society afraid to be a beginner. We are really afraid to suck and the guilt and the narrative that we ascribe to being a beginner in a new thing versus you know, comparing yourself to somebody who's put in their 10,000 hours and what that means. And we talked about the idea of simplicity. Now this, I was, I was so into this part of our conversation. We were talking about the idea that a simple idea does not negate its efficiency. And, his, and its efficacy. And so we got into this conversation. Of course, this is where I really like to nerd out in terms of near-side simplicity and far-side simplicity. So what something like E equals MC squared means, that's like something that is, there's been refinement in it. It's been thought about, refined, refined, refined until it's a very simple equation, but there's been a lot of thought that, that, that gets into it. And then we got into a conversation around generosity. Now, Martin has done an extraordinary amount of charity work uh, when we were talking, you know, he has, he's just shaved his head, him and uh, many prominent members of parliament, uh, you know, in New Brunswick, they have, they all shave their head to raise money for a particular cause. And he always has his hand in helping someone. So we talked about this idea of generosity and how it leads to prosperity. Overall, this was an excellent conversation. Martin, as I mentioned, does not give a lot of interviews in English. It's not his mother tongue. But as you will very quickly see, he has, he's masterful in the language. He can you know, communicate his ideas so simply, so beautifully, and so elegantly. He's really taken the time to think about them and refine them, as we were saying, so that far side simplicity and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed our conversation. So I'm hoping that you enjoyed as much as I did. And without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Martin Latulique. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next 
level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health. The list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk, and my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres-ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. Martin, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. And I have to say, uh, in preparation for this interview, um, my French skills have gone up a couple notches. I've had my uh, my becherel uh, beside me with my little verb, my little verb conjugator, uh, uh, consuming some of your content uh, oh online as well. Oh my god! Just the fact that you're dropping the becherel, this is pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> even even for myself, it's a tough word in French. <laughs> that's very impressive but you're very uh, kind very kind yes like uh, thank you and it's always a great exercise for me to speak in english so it's it's fine so and it's a rarity too i mean i know that you're starting to sp- i mean you spoke on the archangel stage here mm-hmm. uh in toronto and uh speaking more in english so it's just a treat for me to uh, to be able to interview you today thank you so much hopefully it will be a treat for your listeners as well so let's um, let's let's start talking about uh, you know for people who are not familiar with you. I mean, of course, for as long as I've known you, you're you know a model for outstanding human behavior. You're compassionate. You're generous. You're giving. Um, but for some of the listeners who are not familiar with you, let's talk about 
when you weren't always a speaker, you weren't always this entrepreneur, this motivational speaker, you had a previous life as an athlete. Is that, is that right? Is that right? Yes. Yes, this is correct. I used to play uh, a lot of hockey, ice mm -hmm. hockey. Yeah. So you were Canadian royalty, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Growing, growing in Quebec, it was almost like a mandatory, but uh, yeah, I became a hockey player at an early age. It became an escape for me. Mm -hmm. because high school school was very very challenging to me and hockey became an escape where I discovered myself discovered a true passion discovered um, mindset as well performance kind of fell in love with that topic back in the days but yeah uh, previously like I spent a lot of years uh, traveling the world playing hockey here and there and it was uh, such an amazing school of life if mm -hmm. you want and we were uh, sort of in the pre-chat before we, when we were chatting about what we were going to talk about today, you were mm -hmm. saying, you know, there was a, there was an incident in terms of, you know, you were hit in the, do you want to describe what happened to you when you yes. were, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. In 2001, I had the amazing privilege to play uh, for Team Canada at the World University Championship in Zakopane, Poland. And I was a uh, Having, uh, I had the privilege to be team captain of that team. So it, just imagine you're at the top of your life, top of your world, and all of a sudden, uh, in the middle of the round-robin tournament, uh, I got hit by a skate in the neck, and I got millimeters from, from dying, literally. And uh, I remember that moment now, reflecting back, it was certainly like a defining moment for me because already at that time, I had the dream to maybe become a speaker when speaking was not even a thing, mm -hmm. 2001, uh, becoming a coach when coaching was not even a big team. Now, now, now it's all over the place. It's mainstream. But I was so afraid. I was so like, I'll do it later. I'll build some credentials first. I'll make, you know, some, some success for myself first. And then maybe in a couple of years, I'll become or I'll go after my dream. But I remember when that incident happened, it kind of created a massive sense of emergency to go after my dream right now. It's as if I had no time anymore to wait three, four, five years to keep feeding my fears, keep feeding my uncertainties, and just do it in five years. When I came back from Poland, of course, the doctor saved my life. Uh, we came back with the Selvo medal. It was just like an amazing uh, event. But the most important medal I came back with was that reflection that I, I truly think that life is now. And maybe it's time for me to tackle my fears, tackle my uncertainties, and launch myself uh, right away at the pursuit of that dream to, you know, to, to spread my wisdom, my passion with, the, with impacting people and helping people to be better performers, uh, succeed more in life. But it was like, you can imagine, like quite a giant leap to start doing that they want out of college when there was no YouTube there was no like it was not like mainstream like it is nowadays like everybody knows about motivational speaking coaching and all of that but yeah that that moment certainly shaped uh, a big portion of my early uh, career for sure and let's um I, I want to talk about what the decision was in terms of pivoting from being a world-class hockey player to a speaker. But I just want to just zone in on what you just said, because having a skate slash your neck with, and you know, I'm assuming that it just missed the carotid by a couple millimeters. Mm -hmm. Did you, 
did you know how, like in that moment? So when that happened, did you know how bad the cut was? Was you, did you, you know, were you thinking like, you know, is this it? You know, this is like the end of my life. What was happening in your body? What was happening in your mind at that point? Yeah, everything goes so fast. You know, at first you see all the blood on your jersey. So um, you don't realize it, but you know that it's certainly not the best place to have a skate uh, in, in, in that situation. So, sure. but the first couple of seconds, the minute I saw some of my teammates, their reaction made me panic. Because, you know, I was not seeing the cut. I was not seeing how severe it was. But when I saw their face, of being super um, uh, scared for me, mm-hmm. then I went like, okay, uh, maybe, maybe it's uh, it's it's serious here. So, uh, but then quickly right after that, the doctor, because when we do an international competition like that, we always travel with a Canadian doctor just to make sure we have like world class uh, treatment if anything happened. And uh, I don't remember her last name, but first name Marnie from Calgary, Marnie, if you listen to that podcast, I just want to say hi, you saved my life. But she, she just quickly calmed me. She quickly, like, she just went, like, right next to my ear, and she said, like, you'll be fine. It's all good. I'm here. I'll take care of you. It's not as bad as you think. Uh, no big major damage. Like, she went in, in a place of, of calmness, like, so fast mm-hmm. that it put me in, 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 in a place of calm as well. So, but of course, everything was rushing in my head. I had a lot of fears like for a couple of minutes. But I don't know. After five minutes, I was like, okay, I'm in good hand here and everything will be fine. It was more after reflecting back. I was like, okay. Uh, because one thing I'm not mentioning is that a couple of days before, you know, I got nominated to be the flag bearer of the Canadian delegation. So you imagine you enter the stadium, 30,000 people yeah. clapping, yeah. applauding. So you have that feeling that you're at, at the top of your world and then you're named team captain and then two, three days after that, you got millimeters from dying. So to me, I was more like, really? It can happen in such a very stupid way? Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it could have been done just like this. So to me, reflecting back, I was like, okay, silver medal, cool, but the real medal is do life. Do your life as hard as you can because you only have one life. I know it sounds cliche, but when you have a taste of death knocking at your door saying like, hey, hey, surprise, surprise, mm-hmm. you know, like don't, 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 don't get in a place of complacency because it can happen anytime, young man. To me, it was like the real message that I've received from that. Of course, it's the, the significance I decided to attach to this. Like I'm sure I'm not the only hockey players who had such an, an incident. But to me, the message that was delivered to me, like I, I love trying to figure out what are the messages that life are, are, are sending me. Uh, this is the significance I've decided to attach to this, uh, to this incident, you know. And it was very valuable to me. And I think, you know, I, I echo what you're saying in that I don't think a lot of people realize how fragile life actually is. And so that's, that's a wonderful insight. So when you were, when you were reflecting in the days afterwards and you were healing, that was, was that the moment or, you know, in those, you know, week or two afterwards, that's when you said, okay, I'm not going to continue with this hockey career anymore. I want to do this pivot into, you know, what you felt like you were being pulled to do, which was the coaching and the speaking. Is that where that, is that where that was born? Um, well, what happened really is that, uh, after a couple of weeks, when I uh, after I came back from Poland, 
uh, I went to my mentors, uh, Jean-Paul and Michel, because already I had like phenomenal people who were like trying to help me. They kind of saw the potential I had. But the plan prior to the world championship was exactly what I've described to you a couple of minutes ago was, hey, go compete. Because my hockey career was over anyway. Like I was not professional hockey. I was not professional material. I was like the university, which is still a hockey, a great, great hockey level. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was over. It was time for me to pick a career. So my mentor said like, hey, you're too young. You have no credentials, no experience, no money, no nothing. Go work first. Build yourself some credentials. Try to be a star in your field. And maybe after that, you can go after your dream. So when I came back from Poland, little change of plan. I went back to my mentors and I said, like, I don't have three, five years. How about we do it now? Let's mm -hmm. figure out with the resources we have now, with the credibility I have now. I know it's not a lot, but how can we make it happen now? So then we decided to, to, to look at different ways to do it uh, from the get-go, from day one out of college. And then uh, that, that, that's how... It all started just like the change. We just decided to flip the script of say like, hey, the normal path would be go work first, build credentials and all of that. But how about we go in a different path? Mm -hmm. And I think this is what that incident created the most for me is that, you know, I love, I love uh, the, the body of work of uh, Dr. Frankel. You know, when, when he talk about it's not about having the resources, but it's about being resourceful that very often in life, I know I was there prior to the world championships, like I, I don't have the resources to launch myself now. I don't, have, I don't have that. But then if we flip the script and we ask ourselves like, okay, but with the resources that I have now, what can I do? And to me, it was like a subtle yet powerful difference that helped me make my first steps into that wonderful industry that I've been involved in for the last 20 years. I always, um, it's interesting, as you're telling your story, I'm just thinking about, you know, there was a death and a birth at the same time, right? So you had this, you had this catastrophic event and you said, you know what, now is the time. I'm not going to wait any longer and I'm going to move into and I'm going to move towards my dream in whatever capacity it is. So there's almost, you know, the death of this old persona, you know, the jock, the in shape, the guy who's holding the flag bearer. And now you're going to, you know, start at the beginning in a new, in a new career. Was that, you, how was so that? Well said. Like? Yeah. So, so well said. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and to me, uh, the, the biggest surprise to me of that new birth was to understand that I had to let die uh, so many little aspects of my old self. Um, and it's something that took me a lot of time to understand because I was, like you said, I was a jock, I was a driver, I was a leader, team captain, uh, a lot of confidence from the outside world. Like a lot of people were like, this guy is so confident. But then quickly, uh, in my first couple months as an entrepreneur, day out of college, day one out of college, I, I quickly realized that I had a very poor self-esteem. I quickly realized that I was all about validation, outside validation, because I spent most of my life in a micro society telling me, you're good, you're awesome, you're the best. And now people started to reject me, saying, no, you're mm -hmm. no psychologist. Who do you think you are to be a speaker? Who do you think you are to be an author? And I kind of realized at 23 that I didn't have the, 
the mindset to support that. And I start, started to have some major anxiety crisis. So imagine team captain of Team Canada a year later in a closet anxiety crisis, like you're freaking out. So that's how I discovered at one point that I had maybe to, I don't know if you've seen the movie um, A Star is Born with Lady Gaga. And yes, I have. Yeah. I had an, uh, the ugly cry with that movie. Yes, I've seen me, it. Me too, yeah. guilty. Absolutely <laughs> love that movie. Yeah. But in that movie, there's a very powerful song that to me explained the transition that I, I had to go through. And maybe it will speak to some of your listeners. Um, the, you know, when uh, Bradley Cooper uh, sings, uh, maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Yeah. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. It takes a lot to change a man. Hell, it takes a lot to try. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. And the truth is that I was not willing to let the old me die because it was my patterns. It was my story. It was who I was. And it takes a lot of courage to look at yourself in the mirror, especially when you've been, let's say, a high achiever and realize that, okay, I might be confident, but I have a self-poor image. I have zero self-esteem. And the reason I'm doing anxiety crisis like that is maybe I need to do the lonely work and redefine myself before I build myself. Maybe I need to deconstruct some of the identities that I'm, I'm carrying. Maybe I need to be more aware of the patterns and the stories that I'm running in my head. One thing is for sure, I need to let go of some of the stuff that I'm traveling with because it's not going to help me uh, become the better me and, and help me become successful in that career. And it's, it might seem simple for people, but to realize that it takes a huge uh, dose of uh, humility and vulnerability, especially when you've been recognized and well-known all your career to be mm -hmm. a top performer. It's almost as you're at the top of the mountain and all of a sudden you, you're crying, you don't understand, you're nervous, you're doing anxiety crisis, you're focusing way too much on what other people think or will think, and you're totally paralyzed. So I had to deconstruct before I start building myself again. And to me, I know I'm not the first speaker probably to talk about that, but the reason why it's so close to my heart is that every time we want to be successful or we want to be better, just like the name of your podcast, it's as if we want to give ourselves a sense of direction with our life, you know, with, with the mission, with the purpose. And after that, we want to do like a massive contribution. But it's as if we forget that before direction and contribution, we have a huge work to do of liberation. We need to free ourselves from our fears, our shit, our stuff that are coming from our parents, our coaches that I had who told me terrible stuff that I, I started to believe about myself. So we need to do the inner work. And there's so many layers that we can cover and we, we can talk about. But to me, that was the, the transformation. It was like, okay, I went from this guy, but everybody was like, oh, you're going to be successful for sure. But then I went down, started doubting myself. I gained like 52 pounds. I was eating my emotions. It was a mess. And picture this. At the same time, I was traveling all around Canada to do speeches in high schools and colleges to speak about success. Major imposter syndrome. I was like, it was like crazy. Mm -hmm. 
but by letting go and understanding how to deconstruct myself to rebuild myself it was to me like the such a pivotal point in in in, in my career and I, you know, I have to thank you for being so open and uh, honest and transparent about that because I think that we all struggle when there's a major life pivot. So I can, when you're talking, I can, I mean, I had something very similar happen this year to me. I closed my clinic in April and I said, you know what, I feel like I'm being called to serve, you know, serve more people rather than the, you know, the geographic target that the clinic can reach. And there's, there's darkness in that when you, when you have a, identity. You know, I'm a chiropractor. I serve people. This is what I do. I'm a brain. I'm a functional neurologist. This is, these are the things that I do. And then you don't have that anymore. There can be confusion and anxiety and worry and all the things that you're describing. Um, so I just wanted to thank you because I think anybody who's listening now who is either thinking about going through a transition or has gone through a transition and thought that they were crazy. <laughs> I mean, these yeah. are all normal emotions because you are dissolving. You know, there's a death that's happening. There's a death of an identity or a schema that you've had about yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's a, you have to leave room for that messy, nonlinear birth of something else. And not, um, and, not be, and not being judgmental and not, you know, falling in the trap of comparing yourself and judging yourself. You know, I, I love the fact that you mentioned identity because, you know, I've mentioned uh, earlier that there's so many layers we can, we can cover when we talk about like deconstructing to, yeah. to reconstruct yourself. But to me, like three major one, one of, one of them is identity for sure. But the first two for me were number one, awareness. I was not aware of the patterns I was repeating. I was not aware of the crazy stories, limiting stories I was carrying in my life, whether it was from uh, me being really bad and challenged at school, whether it was like some coaches that I had who told me stuff that were really rude back in the days but I, it kind of became my story. So I was not aware. So first step, like if you have to deconstruct, look at yourself in the mirror and do that inner work, that lonely work to say like, am I aware mm-hmm. of the patterns I'm repeating? Because if we're, I mean, if we're honest enough, close enough to our emotions, we know, we know we're repeating patterns here mm-hmm. every year, every month. So the face and have raised the level of awareness and changed the stories. It's it was super powerful for me to realize that inner dialogue was not was not there. It was not I was weak mentally. I was weak with my mindset. Nothing wrong with that. Like I'm not being judgmental with myself, but it was like I was not at a level of mental toughness that I have now. I had to do the work. Second thing we see a lot is the belief. My set of beliefs were were not there. You know, like just just doing an interview like with you, like I'm doing today, uh, like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, like to me, impossible. Because I, I, I didn't believe that I was worth it. I didn't believe I had anything to say. You know, like that level of belief was not, was not sharp enough to... Mm-hmm. So yeah, awareness, belief, identity. This is, this is powerful stuff. To me, that it was totally transformational to do some work uh, in, in that arena. So let's, um, if you're willing and if you're game, let's talk about those three. So we have awareness, belief, and identity. So in your transformation and in your uh, rebirth or reconstruction, um, what were the what was the awareness and what were some of the stories that you identified, 
And because I always talk about beliefs and how those drive our behaviors. Absolutely. So I love, I actually love awareness as the first step because I will often jump to what are your belief systems and let's look at, let's examine about how those are driving behaviors. But becoming aware of the narrative, yeah. uh, becoming aware of the stories that have been implanted in you from, you know, mother, I always call, you know, mothers, fathers, teachers, preachers, my little yes, yes. jingle. Um, what were some of the things that you picked up in terms of your awareness and your belief structure that you had to deconstruct and let yeah. go of? And then how did you replace those with healthier, you know, the, the mental toughness and the mental grit that you talk about now? How did you replace those with mm. what you have now? Great question. I love it. Uh, to me, the biggest jump was probably in, in, in the awareness uh, arena was probably with understanding my emotions, like how, how the patterns of my emotions were totally uh, toxic. Uh, you know, there's, there's only probably four things we can do with emotions. Okay. Like number one, we can avoid emotions. Mm-hmm. Number two, we can be in denial with our emotions. Okay. And I, and I was doing a lot of that. You know, every time I, I had to, let's say, do a new challenge with my new career as a speaker, um, and then anxiety, stress, fear, just with the idea of doing that, well, I was avoiding. Like, I have a story that is well known. I share that with, with my students all of the time. My mentor, Michelle, got me my first gig, like professional paid gig. And I had to do a small little portion in English in it. So imagine your mentor is booking you a gig. He's mm-hmm. putting his credibility on the line. Mm-hmm. You know what? I never went. And I never went. I never did that gig. I was in my closet doing the biggest anxiety crisis ever. My neck, completely red. My forehead, completely red. The phone was ringing at my home. I knew it was Michelle calling to say, where are you? Mm -hmm. Totally choked, totally dropped the ball. I was avoiding the emotions. I I was putting so much emphasis on what other people would think, the the criticism and all. And I imagine that two, three years before team captain of team Canada, I was freaking out, Stephanie. Okay. So, you can avoid emotions. I was not aware that I was avoiding a lot of emotions. I was not understanding that, hey, you can go and, 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 and face it, learn how to manage that. Okay, so avoid denial. How many people go through some, you know, life experiences? They're no, they know they're experimenting certain kind of emotions, but in total de- denial. And their friends go like, oh my God, do something about it. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. They're in constant denial. and. The third thing we do a lot that I was doing a lot that I was not aware of is we exaggerate the emotions, you know, that old drama. So to me, back in the days when I was not aware, one little event like this, Stephanie, I was making this with that. I was like exaggerating everything. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, my career is so over. My talk went really bad. So I was like amplifying and exaggerating all the time the emotions, which was bringing me into repeating a toxic pattern all the time, self-sabotaging myself all the time, until I understood with awareness that emotions are nothing more than messages. But the key is that you need to be humble enough and vulnerable enough to ask yourself a question like, hey, 
the emotion I'm experimenting right now, if that would be a message that is sent to me to change for the better, what would be that message? And you need to serve yourself that little medicine. And to me, maybe the message back in the days was like, hey, Martin, stop focusing too much on what other people think. Embrace the fact that it will be not perfect at first, but give yourself a chance to craft your craft. Whatever the message is, I see people all the time not having the level or not doing the work with awareness, and they go like, oh my God, I'm so stressed, I'm so stressed, I'm so stressed. They amplify, they exaggerate, they deny, they, you know, they avoid. But hey, what if that emotion right now that you're feeling would be a message that is sent to you to change for the better right now? What would that be? Maybe the message would be, oh, maybe I need to stop to say yes to everybody at the cost of always saying no to myself. Then maybe you would be, become better at, you know, at managing, yeah. at deconstructing the patterns that you're repeating because those emotions become stories. You know? So it's like, oh, for me, it's always been like that. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, my ex-boyfriend or my mom or my dad, hey, how often have you repeated that story? Because, you know, you love the, the, the topic of belief is that belief is what? Repetition linked to a strong emotion, the sense, the meaning we attach to it. And then after that, it's a choice. Because if you decide not to associate another belief to the story you're sharing, it becomes a choice. You know, you keep repeating that story. You keep having that feeling in regards to that story. Then it becomes a habit. It becomes like really ingrained into your brain. So to me, awareness, emotions was a huge, huge work that I had to do. And even today, I have to remind myself that, hey, there's only four things I can do with my emotions right now. Am I denying something? Am I avoiding something? Am I exaggerating what's going on right now? Or what's the true message? And how can I transform that message to change for the better? Just a higher level of awareness. And to me, it works like a charm. That's so amazing. And I think this really bridges well onto the topic of failure because when we think about success, you know, you're talking about in order to be success, you know, successful, you have to deconstruct these things. But one of the things I have noticed both in myself, in patients that I've cared for, um, you know, clients, what have you, is we are so afraid to be beginners. We are so afraid to fail that we will and I think this is just a human condition. So I'm saying we as like a, you know, a general we, mm -hmm. the, um, we will avoid starting something or pursuing the dream because we are afraid of failure. We don't. And one of the things I've always, you know, I can, you know, say I've, I've suffered from anxiety. I have all these things, but I have always been willing to suck. <laughs> you know, when I start something, I have always been willing, you know, and, and uh, you know, and even in starting this podcast, it's, you know, it's still early days, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you know, we're 20 episodes in or what, what have you. But um, it's hard for me to listen to the first couple of interviews that I did. Because yeah. I, I can hear little things that I'm doing with my voice. I can hear little filler words that I'm putting in. And, but one thing I can say is I, I 
have sort of thrown myself into it and I'm, and I know that I'm going to suck a little bit for a shorter period of time, but that allows for that mastery. But that's a powerful belief, you know, just to piggyback that like you, we have awareness, but now what you described to me, it's in the belief department. You give yourself permission to believe that it's normal to suck at first. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, it's going to be like a rough run, but it's Mm -hmm. what crafting is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was doing a, um, an interview a couple of days ago with uh, Jean-Francois Menard, Jeff Menard. He's the number one mental preparation uh, uh, in the French uh, market around the world. He works with uh, Michael Kingsbury, uh, like the top Olympians in Canada, gold medalist, uh, Tessa Virtue, Scott Moore. And he was like, every time you see an Olympian winning a gold medal or something like that. And then they got all the, the limelight and the, the standing ovation and the sponsorships. Like nobody sees, nobody have access to the 20,000 times that they fell on the ice. Right. They gave themselves permission, but that's belief because a lot of people speak about belief like in, in, the, in the self-growth, self-help industry. And, and there's many ways to look at it, especially with neuroscience now. But to me, like in a very simple way, is that what is a belief? It's an idea that you believe to be true. But the tricky thing is that the moment you believe it to be true, your brain will do everything to validate and conform to that idea. And mm-hmm. that is the tricky part. And mm-hmm. to me, back in the days, I was not up to date with that kind of <laughs> software because my belief about failure, it was a fatality. Mm-hmm. back in the days because of my hockey player identity when you lose you're bad when you lose the coach is mad at you when you lose your parents don't even talk to you in the car on the ride back home mm-hmm. so to me failure was massive pain and then all of a sudden i get into a world called entrepreneurship where mm-hmm. failure is a black belt it's a badge of honor and i'm like what Mm-hmm. I had to change the software. The belief, the idea I had was wrong. So I had to make new neuro association about, no, no, no. Failure means this. Failure means that. Who are my role model at failing? Who are my role model at crafting, going the extra mile, going the distance? And then they finally achieve something. So, and, and for our listeners, it's very important to me that they ask themselves those very challenging questions like what do i believe to be true about money because it's subtle Mm -hmm. if you think that money at one point like yeah i don't have money but at least i'm happy that's a belief you're sabotaging yourself change that software be careful with what you think because that belief will become just an idea that you will try to validate every day day in day out and 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 what i've learned one of my friends He's a, he's a neuroscientist. He's got his, uh, his own department of study in Israel, Tel Aviv. And he goes like, what's tricky with the beliefs, Martin, is that our brain will do everything in, our spa, in, our, in his power to satisfy your belief more than satisfying your desires. And what it means is that we can have hundreds, thousands of people every year they have tons of desires, big goals, big intentions. They want to change the world. They want to reach their dream. It's their desires. But if they don't challenge the belief, regardless what they desire, the brain will try to validate the beliefs all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have people 
running on a treadmill of their dream. In my humble opinion, is that they want a sense of direction, they want to do a contribution, but they don't do the liberation, the deconstruct yourself, do the lonely work. It's fun to do. It's tough sometimes, but the, the, the payoff is just phenomenal. And it's, it's a, it's a never-ending quest, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Still working on it every day. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. And I, it's interesting too, because you see children, my kids, and I know you have a, a, a son as well. Our children also take on that belief very early on. And we have, um, we have a practice at dinner where we, we go around the table and we say three things that you're grateful for that happened today. We and do I the same. Remember, I don't remember where I heard it, but it was um, maybe... I, I can't, I, maybe it was Sarah Blakely. She was talking about failure. And I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to ask them where they failed today. So mm -hmm. we did the gratitude. We said, everyone did the three pieces of gratitude. And then I said, okay, and where did you fail? Mm -hmm. And when we first started doing this exercise, the kids did not want to answer this question. They were like, I didn't fail. I was, I did everything perfect today to the point where we had to define failure. And I said, listen, all failure is, is you tried something. It didn't work. And the clue there is that that's not the right way to solve it. That's all it is. So once we sort of defined it that way, they were like, oh, well, you know, I was working on this math problem and, you know, whatever, whatever the example is. But I wanted to really take the charge off of that word for them because mm -hmm. I think I was never taught that. I, I was in the same boat as you very much. Uh, and I have the, uh, and I think, um, I don't know if this, this was true for you, but I also am of that type A personality. I want to push, 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 go, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. And then failure for me was also very much, a, I wanted to avoid it in, in, in some, in some uh, um, ways. I wanted to make sure that I was proving that I was, you know, all my success was, you know, telling people I'm worthy, I'm smart enough, I'm capable enough, you know, all these things. But if you can just, I think from a young age and even as an adult, it really doesn't matter. But I, for my kids, I could already see, you know, where did you fail today? And they didn't want to answer it. So it, it now it's, it's, you know, at the dinner table, it's almost like, oh, you didn't try hard enough today to fail, you know, like, oh, you didn't get to fail today. You know, like that's kind of how we've reframed it for them because you're going to fail. You're going to, you're going to fall on your face. Mm. Um, I, I love it. I call, I call that, uh, having a GPS attitude. Like if you look at what a GPS does, like when, you know, when it's a traffic jam or when, when, you know, it's the wrong road, mm. what does the GPS does? Recalibrate. But us, when we face failure, we go like, oh, I knew it. It wasn't for me. Yeah, well, I we should, ascribe I should, I should. it to, yeah, we ascribe it to ourselves. We exactly. say, oh, it must have been me. That's exactly. it's, it's something about me that's defaulty that, or, or, or faulty. That's why I didn't, yeah. Exactly. Instead of just like, hey, okay, obstacle, mm -hmm. failure, recalibrate, go left, go right, go up, go down. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds like easy to say, but again, when, when you start to, to, to look at how mindset works and how the top coaches in the world work with athletes, we think that what they do with athletes prior to Olympics is rocket science. It's, it's NASA material. No, it's simple stuff. Simple, so simple stuff. So it's the same thing for us. Like, like how can we use like an anchor or an image when we're facing a failure? It's either we attach a strong meaning to it that it's a fatality, then it's a belief, then it becomes an emotion. You feel like crap. 
or you go like recalibrate. What can I do next? Can I call my mentor? Can I listen to the better podcast? There's so many things you can do to recalibrate your mind mm -hmm. and go to your next action instead of, you know, like trying to build yourself without liberating yourself first. So mm -hmm. anyway. I know. I love what you're saying. This is, this is gold. This is really great. I don't know. It's, it's my truth in a way. So it's like, I know it maybe it doesn't sound sexy. Like a lot of people, it's like, hey, tell us how we can succeed better, have more success. Mm -hmm. I'm not, don't mean to generalize, but it, there's a lot of people now in that, that, that society that that's what they're, they want. You know, they want to have the big dream. They want to have a lot of success. They work hard, they hustle, they put a lot of efforts, but sometimes they don't have the results that they want. To me, it's clear is that they need to do more of that inner work mm. um, and nothing wrong with that. When you look at the top performers in the world, they do the lonely work, they do the awareness, they do the belief constantly challenging. Because to me, Stephanie, I said earlier that it's, a, it's still a quest. Even myself, like if I'd have to add number four to awareness, belief, identity, it would be be a better observer of me. Because very often, even today or last week, little me can show up right. all the time. You know, my, my uncertain, my, my scared, my, and if I'm not in my awareness, like, okay, hold on, what is that emotion right now like? Am I going to avoid it or deny it or amplify it or just like treat it? I need, I need to stay constantly aware. I need to constantly say when I'm in, in front of a big challenge, if I start to doubt myself, if I start being afraid or, or a belief, which lens, is it like the 15, 16, 20 years old Martin lens of beliefs or it's, no, no. Get rid of that thought and you can do it. Surround mm -hmm. yourself with the right tribe and go get the right coaches and because this is the way to do it. So. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. I love what you're saying around uh, your inner inner child. Uh, we've had uh, Dr. Shafali Savari on the podcast. Yes, I love she, her. It, she's phenomenal, and she talks about one of the things she said was, you know, it's very rare for me in her practice. So she sees a lot of you know parents and children where there's yeah. you know some dissonance between them. Their relationships are strained for whatever reason. And she said it's very rare for me to find an adult who doesn't have the emotional maturity past eight or nine years old. So her, one of the first things that she does is she teaches 
the parent, just like you're saying, like this awareness of the, you know, the stories that you're telling yourself or that you are now imposing on your child and then the belief and the identity that you ascribe to it. And um, I think this idea of being a good parent to yourself, because you know, I have little Steffi who's scared and needs to feel protected and safe. And then I have yeah. grown-up Stephanie, self-actualized Stephanie, who is mm-hmm. strong and powerful and channels Wonder Woman and, you know, all these things. But you have to be, un- you, to your, like you said something really uh, powerful where you said you have to be aware of who's talking. Yeah. You know, is it baby Martin? Is it is it adult Martin? Is it baby Steffi who's talking? That's just the name I call my inner child. Baby <laughs> Steffi. <love> baby <laughs> Steffi. Baby Steffi who's scared. Like, and she's scared. And then when you're, and when she's scared, then that can act as a trigger. And then all the beliefs, like all those older beliefs that used Get to work that. for you, you yeah. they used to work for you Absolutely. at a time to keep Absolutely. you safe, to keep, you know. Yeah. Um, I, they, I, lo- I love that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, if, if I'd have to say like one thing that totally transformed my life, it's probably what we've been talking about in the last 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like to have the humility to let go of some of my layers and because mm-hmm. I was on a toxic path, trust me. Mm-hmm. It was like, like the, the way I deal with that now very often is that every time I go through a place where I'm not that aware or I, I, I pick the wrong belief or it's not my true identity or my, my, my world-class identity that I want to show up with in the world, instead of feeling some guilt, because I was really big on guilt. And usually guilt, my next action after guilt will be self-sabotaging myself, going for the bad foods, going for the bad actions, bad choices, bad habits. Mm-hmm. The trigger was guilt very often. Oh, you failed yourself again, Mark. A little me started to talk to me, right? Yeah. So very often, I'm, I'm like, instead, I'm, I'm like very, um, very careful with my thought. And I will very often say something like, oh, you know, the old me, I use, yeah, I recognize you. I just mm-hmm. acknowledge, like, hey, I know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> no, no problem. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. I know you live in my body. You made me who I am now mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. But the new me, and I play with the old me and the new me. It's just like a more, for me, it's a more um, vigilant. Is it, is, it a, is it a word in, in English? Yes. Yep. Yeah, more vigilant way to, to, to treat myself because in the past, because of my performance background with sport, it was all about all or nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thinking, say like, oh, yeah, in the past, you, no, I was very hard on me. So now that kind of way to deal with it is like, hey, I recognize you. Hello, fear. <laughs> How are you? Hey, right. buddy. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my friend. <laughs> but to see, what, what we're talking about here, I was thinking uh, when, when you said about uh, asking your kids what, what you felt, to me is that you, do, you go deeper. But, you know, in that movie, again, A Star is Born, I love the uh, shallow, you know. Oh, yeah. In the shallow, we're far from the shallow now. We live in a superficial world very often. How about we go deep? If you go far from, go away from the shallow, you go far from being shallow, it means you will do the deeper work. And that's the conversation we're having now. And that's the type of conversation I want to have nowadays. It's like, hey, do go deeper. It's like, don't be afraid to have that conversations with your kids. Don't be afraid to have difficult conversations with your husband, with your wife, with your, with your friends. Call them when they're not showing up at their best, it's deeper, it's tougher, but it's not shallow. It's not superficial. Mm-hmm. 
What are some of the ways that you interrupt or you pattern interrupt? So if you have, you know, if you notice, you know, the old you, you know, baby Martin is coming and the fear and the, the self-doubt, are there ways that you have discovered just like tactical um, ways that you found an easy way to interrupt? So I know that some, you know, uh, one of my mentors, JJ Virgin, used to wear a, um, a little plastic, uh, what are those called? A little elastic band around her wrist. And every time she hurt herself, she'd like snap. She'd like little, mm. give herself a little snap, like stop it. Mm. And for me, I find movement really helps. So I'll just jump on my rebounder or just dance or something. Is there things that you have found that help you change your state when you're, when you're sort of feeling that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know where I, where I first got this. I don't know if it's Michael Gervais or, um, but, but it, it's called get into your circle. Get, get in your circle. That's it. So the way it works, it's very easy. And it's, it's an exercise that I do even to this day. You take a, a, a white piece of paper, you draw a circle. That's it. And outside the circle, you write everything you have absolutely no control on. You write everything that is like old stories, patterns, uh, stuff that is not you anymore. Um, circumstances of life that happen to you outside the circle and inside the circle you write thoughts emotions and actions only three things you have control on and every time i feel uh let's say misaligned or i want to go back to the old me i know exactly where it is it's outside my circle it's not me so what i do is sometimes i look on the floor I'll draw a circle on the floor. I can be at the grocery store. I can be backstage prior to a big speaking event. And I'll get in my circle. As a reminder that thoughts, do I control all my thoughts? No. But I control the meaning of it. I control the significance that I will attach to the thoughts that are going through my mind right now that will lead to emotions. Emotions. Am I amplifying, denying, avoiding? No. I'm here. What are the messages here? Get ready prepare, whatever that is. And then next action. So, and I think it's Michael Gervais. I don't know if you know him. It's a psychologist, well-known psychologist in, in, in the United States, phenomenal work. Uh, and I think he was sharing that that strategy, Stephanie, <laughs> is one of the strategy he used with, um, I don't know if you remember, you remember the guy uh, by the name of Felix, Felix Baumgartner who jumped from the space uh, he became the first guy who would do like a skydive, uh, Red Bull. It was a big stunt. Like it was oh, like wow. the first human being to do that. You know, the odds to die were really high. Okay. Mm -hmm. And one of the exercises that he did with Felix is to muscle up the mindset to say you have absolutely no control for everything that is outside your circle. Get into your circle. So to me, you know, the anchor I'm using every, like, again, self-awareness is so important. Every time I have the heartbeat going a little bit faster, every time I diminish myself because mm -hmm. there's more important people in the room than me. You see, it's old patterns that I used to run. Every time that I was more successful people than me in the room, all of a sudden I was diminishing myself. Stupid. But, you know, that's, that, that was my pattern. Now, every time I feel something, anxiety, stress, 
uh, frustration, whatever that is that is not in alignment with who I am and my mission. It's either I take a piece of paper, draw a circle, and I remind myself where I need to stand, or I just do it physically. Sometimes people don't even know what I'm doing. I just take a little step in my circle, and then I align myself. Mm -hmm. Thoughts was the meaning of it. You know, I'll, I'll share an interesting story with you. Back, back, back of the scene story. <laughs> 24 hours before speaking at Archangel this year with the whole family, uh, my wife said, okay, it's time to go. Let's catch the plane. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And she goes like, do you have everything? Because I'm, I'm a little bit messy. Sometimes I forget stuff. And she goes like, do you have your driver's license? Because you need your ID. And all of, I realized I don't have my driver's license. Look for the driver's license everywhere in the house. Don't find the driver's license. My wife goes like, take your passport. Can't find the passport, Stephanie. Can't find it. So we drive to the uh, uh, service New Brunswick to see if I can have a, a driver's license. It takes two weeks to get one. Don't find the passport. So imagine this. Already in my head, it was quite a homework to work on my mindset to get on that stage, you know, mother tongue being French, presenting downtown Toronto. It was a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. But the minute I don't find my passport, the minute I don't find my driver's license, the old me, the old me, 100% would have gone, oh, I knew it. It's a, it's a sign mm -hmm. that I don't belong. It's a sign that I'm not supposed to be there. I don't deserve it. I'm not. But the new me understands that, hey, the fact that you lost your passport just because you're not organized, the fact that you don't find your ID is just because you're a little bit messy in that department. Right. But it has absolutely nothing to do with this. With your worth. Get in, get in your circle. Stay mm -hmm. focused. Stay in your circle. So that, you know, and, I, and I've used many other little things like, like, that are super useful, but one is get in my circle. I love that. I would, I, I think the idea of settling into your body and reframing what the thoughts and the emotions are telling you is so powerful. I had um, one of the interviews I did this year, uh, Dr. David Sinclair. He's you know, been a hero of mine forever. He agreed to come on the podcast. I was so beside myself. I was so excited that I had the opportunity. You know, he's a Harvard geneticist. He's had all this research published. You know, so he's like for me, it's like I get to go on this geeky magic carpet ride with him. So I, of course, like prepared, prepared, prepared. And um, right before we were supposed to get on the interview, I was saying to Giovanni, I said, "Oh my God, I'm so nervous. Like I can't believe that I'm going to get to talk to this guy." And and uh, he said, "No, no, no. You're not nervous." you're excited. Yeah. You know, and it's just same that like, it's the same. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's the same thing. Like I was, I, and I was like, you're right. You know what? I am excited because I get yeah. to speak to one of my heroes and I get to, you know, download his brain and I get to, you know, have this really great conversation with him. And I think that the nervousness or the excitement was really coming from me wanting to do a good job and, and me serve. wanting to put exactly. wanting to serve and wanting to put out excellent content so at the end of it so this is another thing that i do I'll, I'll give you a little behind the scenes thing since you've been so vulnerable to share with me i will record um i'll either take snap like when i'm feeling really great or i get a really great testimonial whether it's podcast or work i've done or what have you 
I'll take screenshots of it and I have a folder on my phone. So when I'm not feeling great, when baby Steffi's, you know, running the show, I will go into that folder and look through some of the things like the lives that I'm impacting or the people that I'm helping. Yeah. And the other thing that I'll do is sometimes I will record myself in terms of when I'm feeling joy. So after that, so after that interview, he said, um, and this isn't published anywhere. I'm just sharing it. With, I guess it'll be shared now on the podcast because I'm going to tell you. But <laughs> he said, you know, I've been on all the big, like I've been on Rich Roll, I've been on Joe Rogan. He said this was the best interview I've ever done. Wow. So it's my hero. You know, I have 37, I didn't tell him this, but I had like 37 pages of notes, like on all of his research and stuff. So I came upstairs after the podcast and I was feeling so much joy and recorded myself in terms of how like that elated feeling, because as you were saying, emotions are, you know, they're transient and it's a nice reminder when you are feeling low to remember all the good things that you're doing. Absolutely, 100%, because, my, uh, you know, in the world of performance, uh, this is clear that we, we never say be always positive. Yeah, no. You know, it's like be positive no. at the right moment. Yes. You know, it's like what you're saying is like prior to that interview, I was, uh, no, no, this is the right moment now. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got to show up. You got to step yeah. up. You know, it's mm-hmm. either you let the moment define you or you define the moment, the meaning you attach to it. So it's not nervousness. It's excitement. It's mm-hmm. like, I want to do well. I want to serve. It's like, yeah, I'm always fascinated with how simple it is. Like, it's a simple strategy. Record yourself. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I found, I don't know if you, if you see that, but a lot of people, and I think I heard Jason Gaynard say that, People confuse the simplicity of an idea with its efficiency. Ooh, that's good. That's a very big one. Yeah, yeah, that's Because great. people will listen at this and they go, like, oh, this is simple. Can't have that much of an impact on my life. This is where you're wrong. Simple things applied on a long period of time. Mm. This is what is moving the needle. I remember uh, one day I had a breakfast with a gentleman by the name of Dr. Wayne Alliwell, and he used to be one of the chief uh, psychologists for Canadian athletes. And he shared with me one of the most beautiful story and simplest way to recalibrate your mind that they're using with a Canadian team. They call the strategy keyword. Simple is that when you train, when you compete, you pick a keyword that is meaningful to you, that every time that your mind goes, because what, what he was explaining to me is that the mind of a top performer is always in three times. Number one, in the past. Have I trained well? Have I done the right thing? Uh, should I have done this? Uh, should, I, should I have said this? It's in the past. And very often when we're in the past, when you go to bed, the minute your head touch the pillow, you start thinking, you start having little meetings about what happened yesterday, last week, and it's not good for performance. You know, Mm -hmm. it's good to reflect on the past as long as it's a place of reference and not a place of residence. But a lot of people stay in, it's a place of residence. This is where they spend most of their life in the past, what happened in the past. And the other place a performer will spend a lot of time is in the future which creates anxiety, like, will I succeed? Will I win a medal? What if I disappoint people? What the journalists will say? And he said, like, very often we're bombarded from the past and from the future, and the only true performance happened in the present. Mm. So it's a reminder for the Canadian athletes to say, like, hey, when your mind is bombarded either in the past or in the future, recalibrate with a keyword to remind yourself that now 
this is what matters and I need to perform. It's not time to evaluate my performance. It's not time to judge, to think about my past performance or what's going to happen. It's time to perform. And I was listening at him, Stephanie, and I said, really? That's what you do with athletes? And I said, does it work? And he said, listen to this. And I don't know if, if you remember that or you will remember that, but in 2010, we had an Olympian in Canada uh, by the name of Joanie Rochette. She was a figure skater. Yes. Vancouver uh, yes. Olympic. Mm -hmm. 48 hours before she stepped on the ice, she lost her best friend, her number one fan, her mom, due to a uh, heart attack. And so let's just imagine the mess. She's about to hit the biggest stage in the world. Yeah. But she has to go to the hospital to honor her mom one last time. Yes. So there was a lot of tears involved. And Dr. Halliwell is there as the chief psychologist. And then he, he said, here's how powerful it is, Martin. On the way back from the hospital to the arena where hundreds of journalists were waiting for Joanie Rachette to see if she, would, she was going to perform. Mm-hmm. I look at Joanie Rochette because she knew about the keyword strategy. And then she had tears climbing down her cheeks. And I said, Joanie, I'm sorry for your loss. Terribly sorry for your loss. Right now, probably your mind is in the past. Memories with your mom. And it's totally normal. And maybe your mind is in the future about, am I going to perform? Am I going to skate? I don't know. But you know, it's counterproductive right now. And I'm going to ask you only one question just to recalibrate your mind in the present moment. What would be your keyword right now? In a cab, Joanie Rochette, teary eyes, she looked at Dr. Alliwell and she said, stand tall. As far as I can remember, I was three. And I can remember my mom screaming at me, you stand tall, my girl, you can do this. You stand tall. That was the big word from my mom, stand tall. Stand tall would be my keyword. And Dr. Alliwell said, like, perfect. We'll arrive at the arena, and I just want you to go in the locker room, dress up, and while you will lace your skate, I want you to be present. What do you feel? When you'll step out on the ice, listen at the blade sliding on the ice, the breeze of the little wind touching your face while you skate, and every time your mind goes in the past or in the future, recalibrate with stand tall. She did just that. A couple of hours later, she did a press conference. She announced that she would perform, and Two days later, she won bronze medal and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. I was listening to that guy and I was like, seriously? Keyword? But see, people confuse the simplicity of an idea with its efficiency. Yes. And I see that all the time. And then when you look at our society, the keyword strategy is used all over the place. Just do it. Boston strong. Mm -hmm. Je suis Paris. When we have big tragedy and we need to really have like a world-class mindset, we use the keyword, but on our day-to-day -day reality, sometimes as a solo uh, you know, traveler, entrepreneur, performer, we forget that, hey, what's your keyword? Like for me, like a strong keyword is legacy. When I, when I worry about stuff that doesn't really matter, I'm like, hey, you have an opportunity to build your legacy while you're alive. Just do it. Legacy. That word is so powerful to me. Mm -hmm. So another strategy, the keyword. That's so great. And people, uh, you know, to your point around efficiency, to, in order to come up with a simple 
strategy like figure out your keyword to center yourself mm. you have to go through things that are very complex you know when you think about e equals mc squared very mm. simple yeah. but it wasn't easy to get to that so you know this is something i like to call far like one plus one equals two is like you know near side simplicity very simple not a lot of thought into it but e equals mc squared or keyword to attune yourself there's been a lot of refinement in that strategy. So I, I love that because simplicity is often so elegant. It, you know, yeah. to get to that elegance, you have to, you know, cut off the excess fat, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though I love fat, you know, nutrition wise, but you know. Yes, uh... yes, yes. I've learned that from you. I've learned that from <laughs> actually. By learning to love fat, I lost a lot of fat. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the good uh, fat. The good fat. You got it. Yeah. I wanted to, I also wanted to, um, with the time that we have, I also want to talk about your philosophy on generosity. You mm -hmm. spoke about this at the Archangel Summit. You had a, in it, you know, a whole framework, the gray zone, yeah. the go zone, the ROG. Yeah. And I think, um, and just because I have insight, you know, uh, Archangel Summit for the listeners who are listening, my partner Giovanni runs Archangel Summit, you know, 3,000 entrepreneurs come to Toronto every year and we have a big, you know, personal and business development event. And when we look at the post surveys, so we will send surveys out to say, who is your favorite speaker, you know, and why, you know, of course we have the big names, you know, there's the Seth Godin's and there's the Lisa Nichols and all that. Um, you were by far one of the favorite uh, speakers, you and, and Todd Herman were also, you know, really high up there in terms of the value that the that the participants got. They loved mm. your framework on generosity. Mm. So I thought it might be um, a great opportunity for you to share that with uh, the listeners on Better in terms of why you think generosity is something that is a is a means or a proxy to create prosperity in your life. Mm, that's a very good question and it's a topic that is really close to my heart uh, and and what I shared at the Archangel basically Stephanie and for the listeners it was like my, my personal quest at trying to tackle my dream basically because the event was dreamer yes and we have a certain way to tackle dreams in our society uh, because of the way uh, people are teaching us how to tackle a dream and to me, it was just like a, an observation that I wanted to share. I had never done that talk before, but I was like, hey, it's my friend Gio. I'm going to do something that is super customized for him. And it will be like a very profound reflection about what do I think is the best way to tackle a dream? So before I, I, I talk about the framework of uh, the infinite generosity prosperity loop, my, my, you know, my premise is that the way the society is teaching us to dream or to go after a dream. To me, it's a little bit of a broken model or an incomplete model. I call that the linear dreaming pattern because what the society is teaching us is number one, you know, uh, go after your dream, find your dream, go after your dream, which there's nothing wrong with that at first because it will give you a sense of direction, a sense of passion, a sense of uh, what you want to do with your life. That's perfect. And then what do we do? We start hustling, we start working hard, making all the sacrifices and paying our dues and all of that in the hope to generate prosperity. And hopefully with that prosperity, we'll generate enough prosperity to finally serve and make our difference through generosity. 
It's a linear way to look at it, dream, prosperity, that will lead you to generosity. It's as if the society is telling us, you'll be generous then. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be your truth. That's, it was just my truth. And I know every time I was pursuing a dream to say, like, I'll work hard on my dream and then generate prosperity. And then if I have enough prosperity, then I'll play the generosity card. Every time I was stuck in that little trap, Stephanie, I was, it was never enough. It was, I was not fulfilled. I was always comparing myself uh, with other people's success. And it was not like an um, inefficient way to tackle my dream for me. So what I discovered, uh, like after six, six, seven years into my dream, is that to me, keep pursuing my dream, yes, but also focus on OPP, other people's dream. And when I decided to become a dreamer for other people's dream and see how I can serve people, how I can help them with their dream, and sometimes with crazy support, crazy commitment, like that's what I call the gray zone. Like mm-hmm. the, way, the way the infinite uh, prosperity and generosity loop works is that first you start with other people's dream. Like, yes, you can go after your dream, but also make room, make space for are you serving and helping other people achieve their dreams? Because it will bring you what I call the unexpected ROG, return on generosity beyond your wildest dreams. So you start with OPP, and then the first homework we all have to do is ask ourselves or ask as many people as possible, what do you need help with right now with your dream? Be be fascinated with that question. I always ask that question, how I can help you? What is your dream? What do you need help? What do you need help with? Mm -hmm. And then usually that question leads to you know interesting uh, you know conversations, and very often it's simple, it's easy to help. You know, and I'm not saying don't do those kind of gifts, but usually, you know, it's one level to be generous. Mm-hmm. The next level is what I call the gray zone. Because if you stay just in the easy zone to give, it's like if you look at an opportunity to give, you say, oh, I, the only thing I have to do is press this button and watch my money leave my bank account and I'll feel good. I'm not saying don't do those gifts. What I'm saying is that very often where this law of generosity prosperity pays the most is when you enter the gray zone when the giving that is required or asked seems like it's a big give Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a big ask it seems like it's a stretch my experience this is where the payback and the return on generosity is the biggest when it speaks to your heart business-wise it makes no sense but not doing it make no sense at all as well so there's a gray zone. And when you listen to your heart and say like, you know what, I'll be the biggest giver regardless with my time, with my resources, with my connections. To me, that's a big sign that it's time to enter the go zone and say, you know what, I'll, 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 I'll do it. You know? And I've done crazy things. I know it's probably not the place to, to speak about that. But no, I, I spent three, four months writing a book for a sick kid who was in his final phase with a terminal cancer. I donated... 1,000 books to a quadriplegic to do a fundraiser to give him the, the, the capacity to, to walk again. I've, I've done so many, shave my hand for- You, shit, for, you're, you have uh, yeah. no hair right now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. People yeah. Don't, don't see it, but it's growing now. Mm-hmm. But I've done so many things that business-wise, it made absolutely no sense. But it spoke to my heart. 
And what I realized is that when you put generosity at the metal of everything you do, this is probably the fastest way to energize your dream instead of just being like egocentric with your dream and just focusing on your dream, your vision. Your... Do that, yes. But if you put generosity first, it's as if that loop will come back to you. It will fuel you like nothing else that I've discovered for me, I know. Because every time I went to help people, serve people in a big way, in the gray zone, mm-hmm. I've always entered that other zone that we call who's helping who here. Because the truth, the parents that I wrote the book for, the boy who was in his final phase with cancer, every day they were telling me, thank you so much, Martin. Thank you so much for doing that. But the truth, they were changing my life because they were bringing me so much perspective, love, understanding about compassion, about, about, about what is it to lose a kid. So, Every time you go and serve on a big way with OPP, other people's dream, it, the return on generosity, sometimes it's not just money, it's not just connections, it's energy, it's hope, it's perspective, it's, it's wisdom, and then it fuels your dream, just like magic. So instead of waiting to be generous, you know, my, my, my message to people was like, like reverse engineer that and start. Yes, think about your dream, no problem with that, but make sure you make room for other people's dream and be the number one fan as as many people as possible because if you look at what you do with your podcast, with everything, with your mission, you're a big dreamer for other people's dream. Look at Giovanni, big dreamer for other people's dream. And everybody that is in your tribe, they're also helpers of people with their dreams. And Mm -hmm. to see, this is the kind of entrepreneur and the kind of people that really excites me they, because they're making a difference they're moving the needle in their community um they're changing lives uh, so to me it's 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 a model that since i've met that boy in 2007 the, that i wrote the book for uh, 10 needles uh, title of the book it really shifted my thinking because don't get me wrong i was successful back then i had some success but shallow success superficial success, not feeling fulfilled. But when I saw that this boy was a dreamer for other people's dream, that that's what he was doing. Basically, I said, you know what, I'll flip the script and I'll be the biggest dreamer for other people's dream as well. And now it's a game for me. It's a game. It's always like I meet these guys. How can I help that person? And I'm trying to go gray zone as fast as possible. And when my employees go like, Martin, you can do this. This is crazy. Now, let's do it. When they say no, to me, it's the gray zone. When my wife goes like, come on, this is, nobody's doing that, Martin. And I'm like, perfect. This is the gray zone. I'm doing it. And, and, and I could probably share hundreds of stories of stuff like that I've done just because to me, it's not transactional. It's not strategic. It's intentional. It brings me so much joy and happiness to to, to run my life this way because I know that generosity is prosperity in so many ways, shape, or form. It will come back to you 10x, 20x. So I believe people can play bigger in, 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 the, in the arena of generosity, 100%. And I think it also expands what your definition of success is as well. I mean, I think we always think of success as you know, money and possessions and acclamation and social status. And when you are able to influence, you know, the family that you were saying, uh, the book that you wrote, 10 Needles, for mm-hmm. the, uh, the son who is in terminal stage cancer, I think that 
it's not only a personal development quest, but you gain things like empathy and perspective and, you know, self-compassion and you are, you're, you are much more grateful for the things that you have. I think that that is also successful as well. And when we look at your model in terms of the, you know, the gray zone and the go zone, I think that it also has a positive feedback loop, not only in terms of your impact, but also for your, you know, your drive. And, and, and of course it's going to influence those, those typical markers of success, the money, the affluence, the, you know, the possessions, all those things. Uh, absolutely. To me, that's what I discovered. It's like it's, I decided to flip the script instead of being in the linear dreaming pattern that I, that I was explaining. That is, yeah, dream, success, money, uh, uh, validation, everything. And then we go generosity. Look at the most successful people in the world. It's what They became millionaire. Then they give to charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a lot of people, and you're close enough to a lot of entrepreneurs as well to know that, a lot of people, they make a lot of money, and after that, they have like a major crisis of meaning. They want to give back because they feel that they're not fulfilled. Right. So to me, it's like, okay, take that piece, put it right here in front, and make sure you travel with generosity all the time. All the time. Little details, whatever it is, with the cab driver, with the, with the people at the hotel where you are, try to do more of that it's yeah it's magical to me you know and i and i've shared some crazy stories at archangel that true stories that happened to me that that was like more reinforcing the concept and explaining why why it's important and why it matters to me but uh, yeah i'm happy that people uh, understood the framework and oh you got a standing saw, ovation people were that, yeah. people were like yes more of that please everyone yeah. loved it yeah I, I watched i remember watching it and i watched the uh, the videos of it it was it was a really beautiful it was a really beautiful talk yeah thank you walk me through a typical day so day in the life of martin latulipe you know do you have a morning routine that you've established like most people that i speak to uh, at least high performers what i'm noticing the trend is is that there's they have some sort of structure to their day um, I'm wondering if that's something that you have developed as well. If there's a morning routine, if there's, you know, during the day, any rituals or rhythms that you have in the evening routine, whether it's family or personal development, what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I got that from, but I, I work with what, what we call like epic day. Like I'm trying, like I'm really uh, intentional. I did that work, I think like seven or eight years ago. So like, what are the ingredients that makes me really happy? First, that first question, like before I even think about rituals, what needs to happen for Martin to be happy, to be alive, to vibrate, to be in alignment, to move my business as well? Like, right. so, so I have a bunch of ingredients and with the family, with the kids, with the hockey tournament, I, I, I can't say that I'm like very rigid on rituals or, but I'm trying to make sure that those ingredients are on my schedule. Uh, I want to make sure that, let's say, exercise. For years and years and years, it was like, ah, oh, you know what? Like, I want to exercise. Not in my calendar, not in the agenda. So it was just like a wish. Now I know I'm a better performer if I exercise, if I, if I do some sort of activities. Uh, for years and years and years, I said, like, I want to be more present with my kid. Nothing in the agenda, nothing in the calendar. And of course, it became a wish, but it was never happening. So to me, it was like being more intentional with my day to see where will be my pockets of presence, my zone of physical activities. 
listening to music, connecting with my wife. And if I can have like uh, multiple little moments like that in a day, to me, it's a great day. And it's important for me. I judge, I judge my life by my days because I'm a big believer that at the end of the, our life, we will just be the sum of our days, right? Mm-hmm. So I try to be super intentional. It's like today, I have another opportunity to play the game of life. I know my ingredients, okay? And I know the ingredients that are not good for me. It's, you know, it's not a ritual, but I want to make sure that I don't wake up looking at my cell phone. It's a cliche, but again, when I do that, I'm reactive, I'm sloppy. I do it sometimes. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the best for me. Right. I watch Netflix. Don't get me wrong, but if I do like a full week binging Netflix, I'm not feeling like a champion at the end of the week, you know? So how can I go back to my ingredients? To me, this is my key. And sometimes it's super subtle. I'll give you an example. Uh, Seven or eight years ago, before I had that reflection about what are the ingredients that makes me feel like I'm a superhuman and I'm just amazing, uh, my kids, every day, they were at home around three. And every day for years, every time they were getting in in home, in the house, what they were seeing was a busy dad on the phone, returning email, and me justifying to my kids <laughs> back in the days, right? Five, six, seven, like, hey, daddy's on the phone right now. I'll be with you in a minute. Yes, daddy loves you. Or yeah, daddy just finished that little email. I'll be with you in a minute. No problem. Mm-hmm. And every day for, for a solid year or two, Stephanie, I was feeling like a solid loser. Not aware not having that level of awareness. Are you aware of that pattern you're repeating? Again, we go back to that awareness. I had to deconstruct that part of me being aware. So then I kind of realized how stupid it was. And I was like, okay, I know they finish at three. I know they're at home at three. And now every time I settle my alarm clock at 2.55, alarm clock goes on, stop everything. My assistant knows now that we don't book anything in that little window of time, unless I'm traveling or I'm on the road. But if I'm home, we don't, everything finishes at 2.55. And then I go, I say hi, I welcome my kids. And you know what? And this is how subtle that is, Stephanie. Sometimes it goes for 15 seconds. They go like, okay, I'll go to Xavier. I'll go to uh, Chanel. It was only 15 seconds. But that 15 seconds to me means the world. Because I'm no loser anymore. With my ingredients, that makes me feel like I'm a great dad. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not always being present. It's not always being positive, but do it where it matters to you. So no specific routine. Like right now, I'm training for a triathlon, so it's really hard. So I, I train a lot. <laughs> like I have a lot of physical activities right Dude, now in my world. I have seen your numbers. They are impressive. Your times for your biking and your running, like... Well done, sir. <laughs> I don't feel like they're impressive right now, but oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just like, it's fun. So right now, like, yeah, for me, it's more ingredients. Like I need to yeah. connect with, with, with my loved ones. Like I have uh, coaches, mentors, positive people, music, um, uh, listening to podcasts, like your podcast, love your podcast, like every interviews you've done, like at the beginning, the first couple you've released, I had the chance to listen to them, all of them, like, come on, you take notes you finish that, you're inspired. For me, it's ingredients. Like, Yeah, it's like a recipe, not necessarily 
Yeah. Exactly. I'm not yeah. like, okay, between six and seven, I do that. No, it's, it's not, it's not how I do that. I, I've tried that. It was not, it was not me. Yeah. I find it's harder as well. I, I, I definitely have rituals that I like to follow in the morning, but I'm much more fluid in terms of when they start. And I think if you're a parent, um, there can be some guilt because you hear, you know, things like, well, you have to wake up at five and you have to do this from five to six. And, yeah, you know, for, especially for the moms, I mean, moms and dads, but I find it's, yeah. the, you know, if the kid is waking up overnight, mom's usually up, mm-hmm. you know, you're tired. You want to sleep at five, you know, you want to get exactly. the, as much sleep as you can. So there are, I, I love what you're saying in terms of giving people permission to identify the ingredients Yes. And sort of sprinkle them in, you know, when it's appropriate rather than having a rigid, you know, schedule from five to six, you do this, six to seven. Yeah. Like, like to me, like a place where I'm more rigid is when it's a day of performance. Mm. So if I'm on the road and I speak, of course, I, I try to wake up a little bit early, hit the gym, eat well, revisit my notes, revisit the interview I did with the, the client. Because, you know, because now yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm at the Olympic of my field, if you want. So I want to make sure to prepare. But prior to that, there was tons of little moments of ingredients where, you know, I had to prepare as well. But right. was it rigid? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just want to thank you for this conversation. I know what an in-demand, you know, person you are. And this was when we were trying to schedule today. I know that this was one of the only times you had for like the entire year. So I'm so grateful no. that you've given me your time. <laughs> No, um, and I think you're, 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 I, I think that the listeners are going to really benefit from, you know, you've really taken the time to go deep and, you know, download your perspective, your experiences, what you've learned from them, how you're different now mm-hmm. and being open and vulnerable because it's really easy for someone to say, well, look at him. It must be, it must be so easy for him because he's Martin. Like it's, you know, something just that it comes naturally to him. And I think unpacking the idea that we are all just part of the human race. We all make mistakes. We all come from somewhere. Uh, I hope is going to be really, insp- I know I'm very inspired. So I wanted to just thank you for your time and for your wisdom. This has been a really amazing conversation. Thank you so much. And yeah, hopefully there will be some valuable uh, little nuggets of wisdom for your listeners, but thank you so, so much for having me. That was, that was fun. Great challenge for me, but you know, I'm happy that I've, uh, I decided to undertake that challenge. So yeah, you did. You knocked it out of the park. If, if we wanted to, so for the, I know that you have a big presence in France and Belgium and, and you know, in Quebec uh, and a lot of your social, uh, I know is in English and French. So if people want to, you know, they want to learn a little French, uh, get some English inspiration. Where can people find you um, on the web? Yeah, that's yeah okay. you can find me like YouTube, Instagram, I'm very active with the video production mm-hmm. uh, in French for now, but this is one of my next, uh, next Next big action, next big project is to create content in English and have some fun because it's a skill I need to work. It's a, it's a craft I need to build. So, uh, yeah. So, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Martin Le Tulip. You can find me, no problem. Amazing. Thank you so much. Merci beaucoup, Martin. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. 
This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship form, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima, and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.